bless you all this morning. I want to continue to remember Sister Melissa. She just has a real persistent cough, and it's just uh, just making her weak, and um, she just needs prayer. I worked for a man the other day that had a double lung transplant, and um, he had it in January. His name is Paul Kern. He's been in bed basically since January. And I did a job for him one day and I came back several days later. And he was down at MUSC. And they thought maybe he had pneumonia. His body was rejecting the lungs after 10, 11 months. So they're going to give him few, uh, blood transfusions once a day for five days in a row to take all the blood out and put all back in. Just want to remember him also. It's a wicked day. Do you have a request upon your heart this evening, this morning? It is the evening time, so I'm right on both counts. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. And Lord, our desire, Lord, we pray that you just channel your desires through our life, Father. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Forgive us for our heart. Lord, that is deceitful beyond measure. May we look to you in all that we do, wait upon you for guidance, and pray and pray until we get that guidance. Remember, Sister Melissa, this morning, remember this man that I work for, Paul. Lord, we pray that you would deliver. Just strengthen Sister Melissa, Father. And Lord, the request upon the hearts this morning, you saw the uplifted hand. We want to remember our pastor, Father, Lord. We come against the shingles in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Raise a standard. Faith in your word, Lord. By your stripes we're healed. Lord, as we gather the tithes and offerings, we pray that you would bless the cheerful giver. Bless your people here, Father. Shower us with your love this morning. Take over the service, Father. Draw us closer to you. Fill each and every heart with your Holy Spirit, Father. Shake out all the dross, Lord. Have preeminence in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to greet your brothers and your sisters? Amen. This morning. Amen. At least reach back one extra Go back one. I'm glad to be back in the house of the Lord.
Oh, I'm a traveler Far from home I get lost But I press on There's a mansion In streets of gold Where I belong Coming soon Where the old Will be made new Heaven's glory Shines like the morning Before I rise When we
Brother Tony likes to surprise me right before we walk out. But this is an old song, and um, I pray that it will be a blessing. If you know it, just sing along. And maybe Brother Aaron and Brother John can sing along too.
testimony before I go to the Word, and it's what I'm saying today will likely have to be updated again because it's, it's under active, um, it's, it's kind of galloping forward. But um, I've had a lot of questions, uh, both domestic and foreign, from overseas brothers asking me uh, concerning the sharks swimming in the May building in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, This was uh, not something that Brother Branham prophesied and told on tape, but it's a personal testimony of Brother Billy Paul. And testimony was that there he wouldn't be an old man before sharks would swim in and out of that building. So that, you know, that and I, and that has kind of went around because now that Brother Billy has went on to be with the Lord, And uh, we have known for years that that prophecy was fulfilled in the early 1970s. Now, 
in fairness to, uh, to Brother Billy, I asked him about that, and they, he, he didn't have a, um, an agreement or disagreement that that was the fulfillment of it. But he didn't really know. He said, you know, and I said, you know, and I, there's a, quite a backstory to it, but I'll, I'll just, I just kind of want to give a fresh testimony while it's being streamed on the internet today because I've been asked about it a number of times. And Brother Tim Pruitt some time ago gave a little, um, little kind of a synopsis of it. And uh, so I want to give a little bit more detail today. Um, there is somewhat of a backstory that I will need to tell you because I, I sat down with Brother Billy personally and asked him about this some years ago, quite a number of years ago, um, probably more than a couple decades ago. And we were talking about it. And I asked him about that story of his dad saying to him, Billy, where are you standing? I'm in front of the May building downtown Los Angeles. You won't be an old man before sharks swim. So Brother Billy said to me, he said, now, there's a little bit of a, you have to understand what's behind that. And what had been behind that, which actually ends up making it even more confirmed, um, is that when Brother Branham began, the Lord spoke to him concerning Sister Florence Shikarian. You remember Brother Demas Shikarian's sister. And that uh, Brother Branham saw in a vision that she was, she was uh, sick and not going to live. And that the Lord was bringing her home. There was nothing wrong as far as why the Lord did that. It was just her time. And the Lord was bringing his daughter home. She's a wonderful, Brother Branham said, a wonderful Christian sister. And Brother Branham at first thought that he said, you know, you can hear him on tape. He said, I, I knew she wasn't going to be healed. He said, but I just couldn't tell Demas. I, I, he couldn't bring himself to do it. But eventually, Brother Branham did let it be known, thus saith the Lord, that she was not going to live. She was going to die and that she would die at 4 a.m. in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. And she would go quietly and peacefully. Well, sometime after that, Brother Billy began to relate how that they were in meetings and, and, and there began to be prophecy moving through that Pentecostal gathering and the, concerning Sister Florence Shikarian. And they began to testify, you know, people falling and speaking in tongues, uh, you know, to the effect of, in Brother Billy's words, it was to the effect of, you shall not die, God hath heard your prayers, and you shall live, thus saith the Lord. And that's not uncommon for that to happen. You remember in the days of Jeremiah, when Jeremiah prophesied concerning Israel going into captivity for 70 years. And another prophet who was a real prophet, see, now bear in mind, you, you can be a real prophet. That doesn't necessarily make you a true prophet. Yeah. Amen. You can be a real one. Yeah. Balaam was a real one, but he wasn't a true one. And Hana was a real one, but he wasn't a true one because he prophesied contrary to the words of Jeremiah and said they'll only be there two years when Jeremiah had said 70 years. Yeah. And Jeremiah didn't argue with him. He just said, amen, so be it. Let the Lord perform your words. But remember, there was a prophet before us. My prophet matches him because that was the prophecy of Elijah concerning the king of Israel and, and what would happen to them. And so we know that Jeremiah compared his prophecy to, Jeremiah compared Rima to Logos. Yeah. 
Amen? Amen. <laughs> We're going to continue in that today. Amen. So Jeremiah's Rima was compared to the Logos, which was the established word. And that the Logos now that, the, that Elijah had prophesied was now that anointing falling on Jeremiah and that word became Rema. Same word, but now it's living in flesh again yeah. and it's going forward. So when they began to prophesy that Sister Florence would not die, the Lord had heard her prayer, something to that effect, um, the meeting concluded. And the next day, as I remember Brother Billy telling me, they were walking down the street in Los Angeles. Down, apparently, I'm assuming it would be Broadway because that's where the May building is located. And we find that south on South Broadway. And we find that Billy told me, that Brother Billy told me that he was very upset in his spirit. And he said, you could never hide that from Daddy. You couldn't hide anything from him. And as we're walking along, he said, and just as a sidebar, Perry Green testified one time that um, he had troubled about something. And Brother Branham called him and told him what he was troubled about. And, you know, don't worry about it. He said, said, Brother Perry, don't worry if, if, if if you, you know, if, uh, if there's anything wrong, I'll call you. Brother Perry said, imagine living under that for two years. <laughs> if there's anything wrong, I'll call you. And so, uh, so the, he says, you know, Billy, what's wrong? Brother Billy told me. He tried to blow it off and say, oh, Daddy, nothing. And he said, Paul. And he said, no, whenever he called me Paul, he was serious. It wasn't, it wasn't Dad anymore. This was a different gear. And he said, Paul, what's wrong? And Brother Billy he knew he couldn't hide it. And he said, well, Daddy, in that meeting, you know, you, you, all those people were saying she's going to live and the Lord has heard her prayers and it's going to be great. And the people were rejoicing and you just sat there. You didn't say a word. And, and, and Brother Branham said to him, said, Paul, I already told them what God told me. There's no need to say it different. No need to repeat it. No, just like when they come to Jesus and said, okay, now tell us plainly, no more parables, no more messing around. Who are you? Just, just say it. There's not a new answer. There's no new revelation. I'm the same one. I already told you who I am and you didn't believe me. You didn't believe John. You didn't believe me. You don't believe me now. So, so he said, I... He said, Paul, I already told them what the Lord said to me. There's no need to debate and argue with them if that's what they believe. Now, uh, he, he's, and, he, and, he said, and, and he said, Paul, where are you? And Brother Billy knew this was a different kind of a moment. And he, at first he said, I didn't know what dad meant. Or, what, do you, what do you mean, where am I? I'm on the street. No, Paul, where are you? And Brother Billy confessed to me that he actually felt a little bit of frustration, not irritation at all, but a little bit like, I don't know, what are you, what are you asking? I, what do you mean, where am I? And he's like, and he said, so I just, I just went, I'm standing in front of the May building in downtown Los Angeles. And Brother Branham just said that you just for you, Billy, as a confirmation about what I said about Sister Florence, the same one that told me 
that Sister Florence will pass away at 4 a.m. The same one who told me about Sister Florence tells me to tell you now, you won't be an old man before sharks will swim in and out of that door. And he came out of it, and they walked on. And I said, so, Brother Billy, do you think, and I asked the question everybody wanted to ask, I said, do you think that, because by the time I'm talking to him, he's already an old man. And I said, do you think it's possible that Brother Branham meant you would have crossed over, hence you'd be in a young body, and hence you wouldn't be an old man? And Brother Billy said to me, he said, Brother Jason, I, I don't know the answer to that. He said, all I can do is tell you that at the time he told it to me, I didn't take it that way. That's not, that's not what I took him to mean. I took him to mean at that moment, he said, now if that's how it turns out, that's how it turns out, but all I'm telling you is that's not how it struck me. I didn't think that was his meaning at the time that I wouldn't be an old man before it would actually happen. And so, and then of course, Sister Florence did. Just a little while later, wasn't very long after that, all of those false prophecies proved false. And Brother Branham's word proved true. While he's in the meeting, he got a note, Sister Florence has passed away, and he sent the man back to say, go call him back and ask them what time. And they went and called, sure enough, four in the and it was confirmed 100%. So now we deal with this situation where what Brother Billy is told by his dad, in the name of the Lord, it was it, no doubt about it, it was told to him as prophecy in the name of the Lord. So we first found out, and I, I heard Brother Ronald Dean Spencer testify that in the 1970s when he was young, that his mom and dad, Brother Charlie, who I knew, and his mother, who I knew very well, knew them since a, a child, a, teen, a young teenager, I knew his parents, and, and knew of them and then got to meet them, and they were wonderful Christian people. Brother Charlie was the pastor there in Christiansburg for years, and he's went on to be with the Lord now. And Brother Ronald Dean testified that they were listening to the radio in the kitchen and they were listening to Paul Harvey news. Everybody, half the world listened to Paul Harvey because he always had these little weird news stories you'd never hear in the mainstream. And he had a way, a, you know, a homespun way and people liked him. I remember hearing him as a child. There's actually repositories with some of his, uh, his, his radio shows. He is nationally syndicated. And he started telling a story that Brother Charlie, Brother and Sister Spencer both, witnessed that he told a story in the 70s about how that there had been flooding in the downtown area of Los Angeles and that sharks had been seen in the water in the May building. Yeah. And they heard that listening to his radio broadcast. They heard it with their own ears. And they turned to each other then and said, there's, bro there's what Brother Branham said to Brother Billy. Yeah. And, in the, and in the 1970s, Billy was not an old man. See, and so, so then that, that, that we were in the fellowship hall probably some years ago, maybe I would say seven or eight years ago. And um, um, was that, didn't he think, Brother George, Brother Gary thought it was about seven years ago we were talking? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We were in the fellowship hall talking. 
And uh, you remember when Brother Gary Hall and Sister Jan Hall were here, and Brother Gary was our lead guitarist, and Sister Jan played rhythm guitar. And we got talking about that, and Gary said that his older sister, Bonnie, had worked in the May building. And we wondered out loud, I wonder if she would have a recollection of that. And he said, well, she worked there in the 70s. I know that. He said, "I I could find out. So I said, Brother Gary, do that. So the next thing we know is that Brother Gary and Sister Jan came back to report that he had talked to his sister, and and he and Sister Jan were witnesses, that she remembered it precisely. And she remembered it specifically. Brother Gary says, and I have his recorded testimony, that, and I'm going to post that, but that the reason she remembered it so much is because he said, I hate to say it, but my sister cared about money. She was, you know, she was... She knew certain people in the Hollywood area. She was kind of in those circles. She was the second highest ranking officer. They actually wanted her to be the manager of the May company, but their mandate in the 1970s prescribed that it had to be a man. And so they made her the second ranking officer. And, and fi- come to find out the reason she remembered it so vividly is because she didn't miss work. Because if she missed work, she lost money. And she remembered, she said, I went to work on a, on, on, he said, what year was it? She said it was 1974. She remembered it crystal clear. And Brother Gary and Sister Jan both witnessed this to me. She remembered it vividly, said, yeah, I I drove to work that day. And that when I, when I went to go into the underground parking lot to my parking space, there were guards stopping everybody. And they stopped me and said, you can't go in because the whole lower part is all flooded, the basement, the parking, everything is, your car, first of all, your car will flood out, it's deep, and we have actually seen sharks swimming in the water. And it turns out that, that her testimony was that it had something to do, she remembered that it had something to do with storm drain backup. Now, their, their drains, their storm drains drained into the ocean. And so because that there had been some, for some reason she couldn't remember, a backup that actually seawater had rushed into the city through the drain, through the what had been supposed to go that way, and had flooded the area and water invaded the buildings in that area of Broadway, and the May building was flooded, and marine life from the ocean, including sharks, had been seen swimming in the water. And she absolutely testified to it that it was 100% true. She remembered it vividly in 1974. Now, um, is that accurate, Brother George, how I'm relating that? Now, there's, there's another detail you should know. Brother George, after standing there hearing Brother Gary give us that testimony yesterday, because I went back, I wanted to get it from him fresh. And... And, and, we, and when he gave us the testimony, Brother George actually went onto a government website, weather.gov, and he, and he found where the government weather website tracks, I didn't know they did it, they track these kinds of, of flooding or any kind of thing to do in nature. And, they, and he, he, he narrowed it down to Southern California and turns out Brother George uncovered 
an entire PDF released by the government that dated all the way back into the 1800s, didn't it, Brother George? I think it started where they started tracking it. And they literally had every kind of weather anomaly that had struck that area. And as I'm scrolling down, I'm looking. And I knew Brother George had sent it to me for a reason. And I came down to 1974. I think there were three instances in 1974. And was it March? In March 1974, they had severe heavy rains that had caused the storm drains to back up and water had flowed in reverse and blew 200-pound manhole covers off in the streets as water rushed forward. And so now we actually have a government website correlating Bonnie's testimony that it was in 1974 and that she was told sharks were in the water and Paul Harvey reported the story and Billy Paul says his daddy told him that in the 1960s. I'm here to tell you something, friends. That prophecy was 100% fulfilled Amen. in 1974. And Billy was not an old man. So, you know, I, I, I'm not needing to convince any of us as believers, but I just like being able to correlate and see these things. And God has caused them. Who knew that the government kept that kind of detailed records? That it, and now, and then, here's something else, Brother George, that you didn't know. So this morning, I looked at the address of the May Building on South Broadway. And I looked, and I had formerly looked at the address of the Azusa Revival. Did I preach it yet here about when I was telling you all, I can't remember, I know I've taught it somewhere, where Brother Branham constantly talked about, you know, I don't think this was his word, because... But it, he talked about God is going to sink Hollywood. You remember that? It says, and he, he, he emphasized that. It cabbaged down on, like Hollywood would be the epicenter. He said, God, because it's all heaped up on the West Coast, we used to get our fashions from Paris. Yeah, I remember preaching it here now. And now we, he said, now they come to us because it's Hollywood. And, and he says, God is going to sink Hollywood. That's why he's going to do it, because of the filth that has went around the world from Hollywood. And it's heaped up to where the gospel is going to go back to the Jews. So in, in, in one type, all right? Now, so, so I, you remember I told you that I measured where the seventh church age revival started in Azusa. And I've been on Azusa Street, and I went and I pinpointed it on maps, Apple Maps and Google Maps, and they both. And you remember I told you that from where the Holy Ghost fell on Azusa Street to Hollywood was seven miles, seven, not six, not eight, seven. Well, I tested where Broad Street, where the May Building was, and it was actually over, uh, respectively. It was just up and over, but both of them. To Hollywood are exactly seven miles. Amen. Right where a prophecy goes forward, sharks will swim right here. And we all thought it was because of the California earthquake. It wouldn't have anything to do with that. But God is going to sink that. And both that prophecy of the May building and where the Azusa revival fell are exactly seven miles to Hollywood. I want to tell you something, friends. You can't make that stuff up. Amen. That's not an accident. God is in control of everything. Do you believe it? 
Amen. I want to have that on, on record. So uh, God bless you. Whoever will, will see this, you're welcome to share it with whomever. Let's stand back to our feet. And I want to invite you to Revelation 21. And I'm, I'm going to do better this Sunday than I did last Sunday. I have to now that I've taken up a lot of my time with the testimony. I just want to go a little further. And I, I've got, I'll have at least two more parts to it. So uh, if you've missed any of the parts, go back and get them. Today should be part four, Revelation 21.9. And I'm going to try today to do my best impression of Brother Harold Beckett and who just speaks in a nice even, doesn't really get excited and because and, and, I paid. <laughs> Stop laughing! <laughs> and so, so I, I, I paid a price all week um, with, with a swelling feeling in my eye, but I appreciate Brother Luther's <laughs> prayer this morning, and uh, you should know that I have claimed my complete deliverance of it, and I will not change that. I'm absolutely going to be free of it, completely, absolutely, and everything about my eye is going to go back to previous levels. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Brother John, we're both going to confess our eyes back to perfect health. Your body will obey your confession. It sure will. Amen. Revelation 21, and we'll catch 9 to 11. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. So this is the exact same angel that you read of in Revelation 10, 7. This is the exact same tour guide that John was given in Revelation chapter 1. All right, this is the signifying angel. Verse 10, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain. Now bear in mind, he's going to show him the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me that great city. Think about that. He's going to take him to see the bride, the Lamb's wife, and he takes him to a high mountain and shows him the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So you can see the correlation between the bride and the city she's going to live in. Verse 11, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone. I love this. Clear as crystal. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we commit ourselves into your hands for service now, Lord, and I pray that you will give us uh, hearing hearts today, open our understanding of your word. Lord, I, I ask you to be with me in body and help me to be circumspect and use wisdom, Lord, for the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, so I'm going to exercise some of that today, Lord, with your permission. I commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. We'll get as far as we need to go. 
So I want to look at this 11th verse again, having the glory of God. You can go ahead, Brother Mark, and put my PowerPoint up. Really. I won't need the verse put up again. And uh, Perfect. We'll start right there. So I have a fresh cycling. <clears throat> so he has taken John, taken John to see the bride, the lamb's wife, and he shows her, he shows him a city, and there's not a contradiction in the scripture. What you're reading is actually a testimony. It's a testimony concerning the bride. Because you're going to find out that these characteristics that describe the city also describe the bride. Because her record is now clear as crystal. She is even like a jasper stone, that original stone, see? And so we find that this is, this is actually a perfect correlation of the city and the bride that's going to live there. Now, so I'm going to say it like this. The the inhabitants match the city. Amen. The city matches the inhabitants. Hallelujah. And this is exactly why that the Bible says there will not be anything in that city, uh, and just paraphrasing the scripture, that is contrary to the word. No whoremongers, no murderers, no thieves. There will be nothing in that city but holiness and righteousness. Amen. Now, if that's the case and the city is clear as crystal, then I'm here to tell you something, friends. Your future is quite good because you're going to inhabit, you're going to habitate in that city and your future is clear. Your testimony is clear. And in fact, the very word that we have here, uh, having the glory of God, this actually, this word in the, in the Greek that they're using, the glory of God, is from, we, we read it, most ministers know this, it is the Greek word doxa, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and it has several derivatives and root words and meanings and doxas and dokeo, and, but, but what it means basically that having the glory of God, having the doxa of God, this bride, this city that bears the doxa, the glory of God, is a root word that basically means to think or suppose. And in, in, you know, in, in etymology, when if you're ever in Bible school, etymology is the study of words, their origin, and their development over history. Amen. Is that easy? I'm going to keep this real simple. So, so in etymology, so, so the, the lexical says here, etymolo etymologically, the word primarily means thought or opinion, all right? So it's an opinion, uh, as especially favorable human opinion, and thus, in a secondary sense, reputation or, or praise. Or honor that is bestowed upon you. Somebody holds you in high reputation. Amen. They have a favorable opinion of you. 
They are acknowledging glory. See, it's not a presumptuous, prideful thing. The bride is there because she, her reputation is glorious. Her, the assessment of the bride that inhabits that city is she was a believer. She reached perfection. She's crystal clear. There's nothing against her. She's in the image of Christ and the image of the bride and the image of Christ and the image of the city are all the same. Amen. See, So it means praise. It means honor. It means splendor. It means light, perfection. And now, so thus doxa of man. Now here's the problem. You have the doxa of man, which is a human opinion of you. But the problem with human opinion is that it's shifting. It can be up today, down tomorrow. That's that's how shallow the world is. It doesn't matter how heroic you will be in the news tomorrow. Make a mistake. Or say the politically incorrect thing and watch cancel culture. You know, you say, but, but, but I was a hero. I did this. And the answer that comes back from society is, well, what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Amen. And that is a spirit on the age. It's shallow. It's ungrateful. It, it, it don't, that's why I say, friends, don't chase fortune and glory of this world. It's worthless. It's so worthless that Jesus would not even accept it. Amen. And they, they come asking him, you know, who tell us, you know, they'd ask him one time, by what authority do you do this? And then that became a discussion where they wouldn't answer his question, he wouldn't answer theirs. And then they're coming back, you know, and they're, they're saying, your witness is not true. You're supposed to have a witness. Tell us who your witnesses are that you're the son of God. And Jesus just looked him right in the eye and he said, I don't accept the testimony of men, first of all. I don't accept it. My father is my witness and that's it. And you'll either believe his witness or you, you, you won't. And he said, and you won't, see? And you're going to die in your sins because you won't believe me. You won't hear my words, see? And so, so we find then Paul picks that up in the book of Romans and he shows, and I think I was showing you this very recently, That Paul says not only does a real servant of God not depend on the plaudits of men. He doesn't depend on acceptance of society. Not only does he not accept it, he doesn't chase it. He doesn't try to get it. He doesn't think about it. The real servant of God cares nothing. When Brother Branham gave the analogy, when that violinist was playing and he finished his piece the audience erupted in applause and threw roses on the stage and the reporters noticed that he was ignoring the audience and he was looking up at the at the at the box because there was maestro there was his teacher and he only cared what his teacher thought this is fine they're applauding they're clapping they're throwing roses but he was That meant nothing to him. He wanted to know, would his teacher rise and applaud? And when he did, then the man received. And so the the beauty of this word is that that it it is not the glory of people. 
It's the glory of God. In other words, it's not the world's opinion of you. And I'm going to go further. It's not based on your opinion of you. Because sometimes I wonder whose opinion about me is worse, the world or my own. When I look in the mirror and say, you ungodly man, how in the world you need to go to repent right now? And, and how, come on, is that right? But I'm here to tell you that God is not basing this on what you think of you. He's not basing it on what others think of you. It's His own opinion. The glory of God was seen in her. You say, oh yeah, it means God's glory. No, it means God's opinion of His bride. It's God's opinion of you and me because we have believed the word. After all, it's God's opinion that marks the true value of things. You see, because that they're coming. There's a reason for that. Why is it that you should just rest in the fact that it only matters what God thinks? And the reason you should do that is because his, you say, but I, I, I've made so many mistakes and I'll probably make some more tomorrow. But the beauty of it is, no kidding, his mind is eternal. He already knows every mistake you all have made. He already knows what you are now and he already knows every mistake you will make and he still says, the glory of God is seen in her. So this, is, this becomes the beauty of the whole thing. So, <clears throat> Brother Branham, I'm going to give you a, a series of quotes here from Brother Branham. Well, I must not have made that in widescreen. I apologize. That's so narrow. Normally, I, I make that in, in widescreen. I apparently didn't do it. But I think you'll be able to make it out. So, we're preaching today. We're taking this Logos Becoming Rima. It's part four in my series Logos becoming Rima, and here's what you should clearly understand by now. The Word becoming flesh. Amen. I'm saying the same thing. Amen. The top and the bottom are saying the same thing. Amen. The Word becoming flesh is the Logos, is this established Word becoming this. Amen. This moving and living through this. Amen. That is the Logos becoming Rima. Amen. Amen. All right, it starts out as an inspiration. It comes as an anointing. The, the Lord brings forth a word that's sealed up completely, and it's been sitting there for 20 centuries. But then there comes a time when a prophet is on the earth, and time meets prophecy, and God unseals it, and believers now read it with understanding. And when they read it and they hear the interpretation, they, something within them says, Amen. And you know that it's supernatural because it doesn't stop at mental agreement. It literally begins reshaping your life, remolding your character. Hallelujah. And so the word literally becomes flesh because when the books are closed for the last time, prophet said, the word will be flesh. As I've said to you before, God never intended for his word to stay bottled up here. This is the third iteration. This is the third iteration. The first iteration was in the stars. 
The second one was in Enoch's pyramid. The third one is in a written book that's been preserved by God for 2,000 years. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus never had to carry this. Jesus was this. That's why he astonished the doctors. Said he's only 12. What school did he go to? He hadn't been to any school. He came from God. He was God. He was the Word. See? But you, you, your, your life operates under the Holy Ghost. I'm going to prove it to you. Your life operates under the leadership of the Holy Ghost in ways that even you can't explain to someone from this book. And people say, you know, why are you this and why are you that? And sometimes you can have a, a, well, because the Bible says this, the Bible says that. But there's so much about our life that can't be brought down to black and white text. But you know, like Job, I know whom I have believed. I know my Redeemer liveth. And, and there's something driving my life in this direction. And, and I can try to explain it to you. You may not even agree with it, but I can't go back. Hallelujah. See? Now there's a reason that it happens like that. And it's not because you became convinced mentally. The false church that the Bible speaks of has a form of godliness. They, as Brother Branham said, they actually admire the fine qualities of Jesus. And so they, they, it creates a form of godliness in them. But, but to have the real power take over their lives and start transforming them into, the, into this in flesh form, they're not for that. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. In other words, I just believe it mentally. I'm not going to alter anything. I just agree with it. And those are the ones that Jesus will say, the king will say, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. And their testimony will be, goodness, we preached in your name and we did all these things in your name. How have you not known us? Because they, 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 they failed to accept the warning of the Holy Spirit. They failed to accept the, the, the plan of God's provided way. Amen. God has, a prophet said, one provided way of escape. And that is to receive all of his word. See? Say, well, I just, I just, you know, I just believe Jesus. Wonderful. So do I. But do you, oh, you know, I, I asked one determined unbeliever one time. He said, you know, all I need, all I need is Jesus at Calvary. Calvary plus nothing. And I said, sure, I agree with that to a certain point meaning that there's nothing I can do. It's Calvary completely. I had no way to save myself. But that's not the whole program of God. That's not all of redemption. He said, well, how do you figure that? Jesus said it's finished. Yeah, Jesus said it's finished, meaning that the purchase price had been paid, but the claiming work still isn't done. John was crying in the book of Revelation because no one had claimed the book. And John was standing on Calvary. So close that he had a conversation with Christ. You're not going to get more of a front row seat than John. And even Jesus spoke to him, Son, behold thy mother. Speaking of Mary. Woman, behold thy son. You couldn't get more of a front row seat than John. And John watched him die. And John 
met him again after he was born, after he raised from the dead. And John was on the hill when he ascended. And John was in the upper room when his life came back. You understand? But yet John is on the island weeping because he knows that although the purchase work is completed, if no one claims me, and I, I can't, my name's in that book, but I can't go do me any good. It's sealed up. I got to have somebody with authority who can step forward and say, that's my book and open it and reveal. And now John said, oh, heaven heard me shouting and praising God. So, you know, I, I, I said to this young man, I said, imagine if you were standing there with John, okay? You see yourself? Yeah. You see Jesus dying? Yeah. You believe in him? Yeah. What's your testimony? If you could speak to him, what would it be? Lord, I believe you and trust you. You know, even, even the thief said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And I said, now, that's wonderful. He said, right. So I'm finished. I said, okay, wait. I got another question. After you left Calvary and after the day of Pentecost, which is in the Bible, and then the disciples, his apostles start writing letters. And Paul starts pinning the book of Romans. And then he starts pinning 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He goes on down through the list and starts pinning to Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and goes on down. And then Peter starts writing letters. And 1 Peter and 2 Peter and 1 John and 2 John and 3 John and Jude writes. And, and I said, do you think that you could find right standing in the presence of God by saying on the day of judgment, well, Lord, I just believed you at Calvary, but as far as Paul and Peter and John and all those guys, I didn't need them. I didn't need all those letters. Lord, I believe you. I didn't need their teachings. I didn't need their doctrines. You think that's going to pass the mustard? I'm telling you what, you're going to go straight to hell because you have to take all the word of God. You see, friends, that's why, that's exactly why on the day of... Listen, Brother Branham talks about that this bride at the end time will write another book of Acts. You know, when we write the last chapter, we're writing it right now. I'm about to prove it to you in the quotes. We're writing chapters of continuation. The the book of Acts, you got the book of Acts uh, pre-church ages and a book of a continuation of the book of Acts post-church ages. And, and this one is still being written. Yeah. Amen. And in fact is, it, when we, it, it's, it's the record of Christ in redemption. So it'll, that's why time continues on in the millennium. The account still continues on in the millennium. We're still, where the, the, the heathen are raised up and civilization will carry right on. But at the judgment bar, there's going to be one last chapter before redemption is done. And then the book of the last chapter of the, of the book of Acts can be written and that will be on the day of judgment when your logos that became Rima and became flesh stands as a witness like Jesus said that on that day the queen of the south will rise in judgment of this generation. For she traveled at peril of her life. On that day, the the people of Nineveh will will arise and condemn this generation because they repented. And that was just Nineveh. And that was just just Jonah. That was just a queen. And and we talk about the days of Solomon. He said, but a greater than Jonah is here. A greater than Solomon is here. I'm here to tell you something, friends. On that last day, 
the last chapter will be God will be just. God will be righteous in that he will bring forth not his written word, but his living bride. And say, my bride is proof that my word was true. Hallelujah. And it will be the testimony of our lives that the just judge can say, you had the chance. They lived right across from you. They met twice a week. You heard them on the internet. You saw their lives before you. And you, you only wanted the fine qualities of Jesus. You had a form of godliness. But you denied the power thereof. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Because the word is being made flesh in you. Because of that. Because they see your chaste conversation. Not only your speech, but your behavior. They see your actions and reactions to the word of God. Saying amen to the word is not just a verbal testimony. It's a living experience. On display. That's what John saw. He said, come, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he said, he took me to a high mountain, showed me that great city, having the glory, having the testimony of God, saying, this is my bride. She matches my city. My city matches me. She matches me. I match my word. She is my word. Oh, hallelujah. See? So this is why it's so paramount for us to always try to strive to be like Jesus and do always that which pleases the Father. Amen. Brother Branham says here an identification. And I've got these, these first ones in chronological order. I'm going to drop back on the last ones. But here it is. And this is a prophetic challenge. Now this is the first of two that we're going to read about. You ready for the first one? 1963, I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ to believe that this message of the Holy Spirit in this last days is the closing out of the world's history. I challenge you to believe that. I taught it to you tonight. You believe that God sent me. So when it comes across like that, there's really only one of two responses. Yes, or no. I challenge you to believe that you believe that God sent me. And this message that I'm bringing from the Holy Ghost is the message before the end of the world and the last days, the closing out of the world's history. You accept the challenge? He comes... This was just prior to the seals. He comes right after it. Now in this last day, God has sent back the Holy Spirit, which if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever, then he is still the same Messiah. And the, and the life of Christ is in his church vindicating his word. Amen. So now that that. That invalidates any modernization of the church. Any modernization. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, day, and forever. I remember when Brother Ernie came out of, he was first, he was Church of Christ, and 
Then he, I think, was at UPC, and at the UPC was the, the last one he moved before he moved into the ranks of the message. And Brother Ernie, you know, they, they said to him, Oh, Brother Ernie, you're going off in a cult. You're, you're going off the deep end. You know, we, we have the revealed word of the hour. And Brother Ernie said, Okay, well, I got a question. If somebody can just answer me this question, please, it'll help me. Maybe, I, maybe I'm making the wrong decision. Okay, Brother Ernie, what's your question? He said, now we know historically, and it, it's not hard because we only got started in the, 19, in the 1900s. We know, and you don't have to look back very far, that when the Pentecostal movement first began, women didn't cut their hair. And we know that women didn't wear garments that pertain to a man. They didn't do that. They observed the 2,000-year-old custom of the church that women wore dresses. They didn't wear pants. They didn't cut their hair. Our godly sisters in the original didn't paint their face up with war paint like Jezebel and hang all kinds of earrings and and look like, Brother Amson, look like you went through a five and dime with a magnet on. (laughs) And he said our men didn't used to smoke and drink and, and drink socially and curse when they get mad. They didn't used to run to gambling joints and casinos. We didn't used to do those things in Pentecost. Now, historically, they couldn't deny that. So, brother, but that wasn't Brother Ernie's question. That was just he was building his foundation to ask his question. He says, so here's my question. Did we start wrong or are we finishing wrong? That's right. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to jail. Answer the question. Don't beat around the bush. Answer the question. Did we start wrong or are we finishing wrong? I happen to believe they're finishing wrong because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when the world sees you godly sisters living like sisters always did and when they see you godly brothers living like brothers always did, then they won't have an excuse on the day of judgment because the word became flesh. So, and the life of Christ, so yesterday, day, and forever, then he is still the same Messiah. Try to deny that. And the life of Christ is in his church, vindicating his word. That's how God was in the earth in the form of Jesus Christ, being the word to make the word live. You catch that? That's how he was the word, because he made the word live. He was a man, but he made the word live perfectly. No one had ever been able to do that. See, and the Holy, now watch, say, oh yeah, great, Jesus, that was, watch, and the Holy Spirit is today in flesh, making the word of God live to every promise and every wonder and everything that he promised, it's there. Now, he promised more than Malachi 4. He promised more than Revelation 10, 7. He also promised that in verses 8 through 11, a bride, John representing, would call and take the book and eat the book and become the book. So a prophet went home, doesn't matter. It doesn't stop Jesus Christ being the same yesterday, today, and forever. See? He goes on. A week later, the world is again falling apart. 
He told Abraham, now I'm, just, I'm giving you quotes that are all saying the same thing. He told Abraham that's exactly what he would do. And there, watch this, and there had to be someone come on the scene at that time to make the word, just making sure I'm staying with myself here. If I'm off course, I shouldn't be, but somebody get my attention. So he says, he told Abraham that's exactly what he would do. And there had to be someone come on the scene at that time to do what? To make the word live right before them. So God gave the promise to Abraham. So Abraham had to fulfill it. Brother Brother Abraham said God would have never gave Abraham an unconditional covenant like that. Do you realize what exposure God would have? I mean, that's, that's business suicide. You're talking about exposure of your company to, to liability. You know, you know you, you've got to have rules and regulations and you've got to be able to hire and fire if somebody breaks, uh, goes outside the lines. God came down to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to sink my whole kingdom on you. And it has, it's not going to... And to make it sure, he said, it's not about what you've done or even what you will do. I'm just here to tell you what I've already done. I've chosen you. That's it. You're going to be my man. And Abraham was. And even Abraham himself backslid and went down to Egypt. Picks up Hagar. Brother Brandon talks about that. And she does not air with a shuck. Picked up that Egyptian maid. Israel is still to this day paying for that sin. See? Because through Hagar came Ishmael, and so and that was a wild man. But but we find that that didn't stop Abraham. He got caught lying and cheating. That didn't stop the promise. He goes back and finds the king of the Philistines and starts doing the same thing. Starts lying and cheating, trying to save his own hide. That didn't stop it either. That God plagued that king for getting lied to. And God told that king, that's his wife, but Lord, I'm an honest man, integrity of my heart. You know, he told me it was his sister. And the Lord said, you're right, I do. I know you're a righteous king. Therefore, I'm, I'm trying to save your life. Restore his wife and ask him to pray for you and I'll forgive you. So I got to wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Man lies to me, comes into my territory, lies to me. And then now my, my kingdom is plagued and I got to go to this liar, this coward, who was about to let me take his own wife, and he's got to pray for me? Are you, are you going to finish me? Yep. Friends, forget what the devil says about you. Do you understand God has already testified about this bride and what she is coming to? And there is not enough devils in hell that can stop it. That you are signed, sealed. You are already sitting in the presence of Almighty God. You're already believing the word that will put you in that city someday. So he says... Um, so there had to come on the scene at that time to make the word live right before them. That's why you're here. God had sent his Moses down there and the very thing that he promised to do, he did it because it was the anointed word for that hour. You get in the picture? Amen. You get in the picture? He said it would judge the world. God's word said, I'll judge this, that nation with great mighty wonders and signs. God said that to Abraham four hundred years prior so Moses comes down the scene no wonder brother Branham said that morning he came down the trail that morning headed for his sheep that headed for Jethro's sheep he said that morning was different that morning when Moses came down the trail the pillar of fire was waiting on him 
Because time had met prophecy. I'm here to tell you, friends, why are you a believer? Because time met prophecy. It said there'd be a bride here. She's here. Said she'd believe it. She does. Said she'd become the word. She is. Hallelujah. See? God's word said, I'll judge the nation with great mighty wonders and signs. There stood a man. Just an ordinary man like you or I got the word from God and went out there and spoke creation into existence. Picked up the sand and said, let fleas come from the earth. And the word of God through that prophet's mouth, being it was right in the hour that it was supposed to be, fleas covered the whole earth. He covered the earth with frogs. He covered it with frogs and with lice. He covered it with all kinds of pestilence and things because God made the promise and the hour was there for it to be anointed. The anointed word for that hour that they live in, that's what we need today is not back in some seminary system, but anointed word for the hour that we live in to bring forth Jesus Christ to the world again. To anoint you to do what? Right? Build a seminary? No. To bring Jesus Christ back to the world. To display the truth. How how is it fair to the world if God destroys them and they never saw the revealed word? I'm here to tell you something, friends. I know you don't feel like you deserve it. I sure know we don't feel like we earn it. But I know he has spoken. And I know I believe it. And I know it's becoming me every day. I know that every day I'm ready to die afresh. Every night I'm ready to repent again. Every time I fail, I'm ready to get back up. What do you think's doing that? Because you're of some great caliber person? No. We're all sinners. But God, rich in mercy, placed a deposit of the word down inside you. And you can't stop you. I'm not talking about this you. I'm talking about the other you. The more real you. Won't let you be lost. Won't let you stop. Won't let you quit. Won't let you give up. Won't let you disbelieve. Beautiful. So he says, right there at 67, that's what we need today. It's not back in some seminary system, but anointed word for the hour that we live in to bring forth Jesus Christ to the world again. The same. What are you bringing forth? The same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a program laid out for this day, a promise of God. And the only way we'll ever be able to get right is to let that word be anointed. Amen. Uh, yeah. To let. That's what we need today. It's not back in some seminary system, but anointed word for the hour that we live in to bring forth Jesus Christ to the world. The same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a program laid out for this day, Amen. a promise of God. And the only way that we'll ever be able to get right is to. Let allow permit. Now you've got Elijah speaking in Paul's language. Let the mind which was in Christ be in you. Said to the Colossians, that was to the Philippians, to the Colossians, he said, Let the word dwell in you richly. 
Are you willing? Amen. Great. Are you? Yes. Are you doing it? Amen. One thing to believe it. It's one thing to be willing. They said, Brother Bram said, you say, oh, Brother Brandon, we sure enjoyed that sermon. Brother Bram said, thank you. That's wonderful. But my question is, will you do it? Because you can block it. Why would he say let it if you, if you didn't have to let it? Let the word dwell in you richly. He comes a little later. Now we're in 1964. He's in the token. The new token is the new life that comes through Jesus Christ. When his blood was shed to sanctify a church, and fill it with his presence. That why? That why? Why we got token? That he might manifest his word and his promise to the people. Say, so why do we have a token? To give me overcoming power? Sure. Why do we have a token? So I can go in the rapture? Yeah. Why do we have a token? So that I can have strength and be a believer? Yeah. But why else do we have the token? Why are you here? Why did he give you his life? So that you can, so that he might manifest his word. Are you letting him? Token people? Token people? How many got a token? Are you letting him? It's up to you. He won't take your token away, but he's asking you a question. Will you let it? See? Will you let that word be anointed? Or will you give your life over to fortune and glory? Is Is the primary purpose of your life higher education, more money, and social station? You might be a token person, but you're not doing that. Because you've got the wrong priorities in your life. Is, the, is this the house of correction? Does correction start at the house of the Lord? Is that where judgment starts? You're not mad at me, are you? I had to endure this studying it. See, So that's what the new, the, the, the new token is for. That he might manifest his his promises to the people. Now watch him go back into Hebrews. God, in sundry times and divers manners, Hebrews 1, said he spoke to the fathers through the prophets. Now hold on. How did he speak to them? Through flesh. He anointed men. This was prior to the sacrifice of the lamb, prior to the Holy Ghost coming upon God's family. In fact, is it's it's so prior that the, the anointing couldn't even stay on the prophets. Amen. That's why John was told, "Upon whom you see the the spirit of God descend and remain." Yes. That's a prototype. That's a new kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't seen that one. Yeah. See, there was a time when that pillar of fire could could be with Adam, and it it, it could be there continually. But now, but now for 4,000 years, that's been lost. But there's coming a just one. And when he comes and gives his life and ascends to the Father to lay that body on the sacrifice, uh, the, the altar of, of mercy, then he can send that life back in. And now he can have a whole body around the world who are manifesting his word just like he did when he was in the earth. Oh, my. How could people not want that kind of a truth? Hmm. So, he, so how did he do it? He spoke through prophets, see? But in the last days through his son. Now, Brother Branham is going Old Testament. He's in the keystone of the Gospels where Jesus fulfilled that. Paul's talking about Jesus Christ. 
What? Now what? What is his son? The word. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This is why you are a son of God. You say, I'm a son of God because I've been born again. How'd you get born again? Well, because, because I chose. No, no, wait. Jesus looked right at his disciples and said, you did not choose me. I chose you. You understand that, you, as I've said to you before, the book of life, Brother Branham shows it's in two sections. It looks like when you read it from the scripture sometimes, it looks like two different books. Brother Branham said, no, it's not the same book, but it's got a special section. It's got a, 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 the Lamb's book of life has a section of election. That that's his or, or, or origin. That's his tribe. That's his kin. That's his family. They come from him. They were... When, when the pillar of fire was with God and was God, you were the same was in the beginning with God. Why is he repeating himself? Because it's the whole family. I was in Christ when that pillar of fire before the heavens and earth were even formed. Brother Brenham says, before there was stardust, you existed. Hallelujah. When he was with God and he was God and the same was in the beginning with God. I came from God. I go back to God. Why am I a believer? Why do I have a token? Because I'm elected. How am I elected? Because of the origin. I came from him. And, And that's why only the predestinated are considered in redemption. We're not talking about basic salvation from destruction. The foolish virgin are saved from destruction. Heathens are raised up in the millennium saved from destruction to hear the gospel. But I'm not saved, just merely saved. I'm redeemed. So why am I? So that once again, the word can be flesh and dwell in among us. I mean, this is... This is, this is what is seen when the firstborn son was expressed. When he said, let us make man. He made, Brother Adam said he made his whole family, made all men. His whole kingdom was in his mind. All of his future sons and daughters down, down to the, all the way down to the consummation of everything. He's not going to lose one. Amen. See? So, I mean, little wonder... You know that I was seen in Christ before the formation of the heavens and the earth. And, and I mean, the, that, that's a real conundrum for Baptist theology. And because that's why they hate the word predestination. See, because to them, logically, you understand? Logically, to them, well, wait a minute. If Christian... If Christian if Christianity is, believes in predestination, then everything's already fixed and nobody really has free choice. And that's why they have a problem with it. That's, that's why they, they can't get past that because, because they, they could say, if everything is already fixed, then, why, well, then what's the point of Acts 2? When they said to Peter, what must we do? And the implication was to be saved. What We've killed the Messiah. You told us there's still a chance. It wasn't possible the grave could hold him. God made him both Lord and Christ. So what do we do now? And Peter said, repent. Why? If I'm predestinated, what's the point? Be baptized. Why? And that's the Baptist argument. 
It invalidates everything we're told in the Bible. If predestination is true, then it's all fixed and there's really no human choice ultimately. Then why repent? Why do anything? Paul picks up that exact human argument. They, they, Paul, Paul said, you know, you're going to argue, you silly nut. You're going to argue that why don't I just go if, if my evil and then God can save me makes God glorified, then I should go commit some more evil. And Paul said, you're a fool to talk like that. Amen. You know, and they, and they said, well, Paul, if it's predestination, then who hath resisted his will? I'm only being, why does he find fault with me? If I was supposed to be a sinner and I am, then he should be happy. Make sense? Humanly. And Paul said, you're an idiot. He said, you're crazy to think like that. Amen. You see, the element that they're missing the reason it's such a jam in their mind is because they don't understand election. Amen. That God provides a legitimate opportunity for all men who are in the book of life, all humanity. Everybody gets a legitimate chance to save themselves from destruction. And God will grant them eternal life at the judgment. They've got to, they can do that. They, they, and, and it's even almost some very minimal requirements. But, but that's just salvation. Redemption means he already owned you, lost you, then he brought you back. Right. That's why only the predestinated are considered in redemption. Amen. Because the section of the Lamb's book of life has nothing to do with a choice I made or a choice you made or I was a goody two-shoes or I was evil. It had nothing to do with it. I started in God. I believe God. I'm going back to God. It is, a, it is the master of my life is his word. And that's, they don't understand that, that, that true election is fixed in origin. See? So, so, so for his family, they, they didn't choose to be his children. They were always his children. All right. I, I got to stop in five minutes. <clears throat> going to do it this time. And this revelation... The completeness of Christ. Whoever will add one word to it or take one word from it, the same will be taken his part out of the book of life. Now, he obviously says that because people do it. It's, if people do it, then it becomes apparent that there will be people who don't do it. And it's not about doctrine. It's about you being the word. So that's why message light can't work. Amen. That's why a watered down message that, that seeks oh. to, to be mingled with mud. And we need to update our thinking. You know, this was back in the 60s. Well, that's nothing. That's just young. I mean, this thing goes all the way back 2,000 years ago. I'm still believing 2,000 years ago. Why would I not believe from the 60s? You got to be kidding. How dumb is that? It's even, it's even closer to me. I'm here to tell you, you can't change the old move the ancient landmarks. Same yesterday, day, and forever. You can't change yourself into something halfway between the word and halfway between the world. You're not even in the economy of God if you do that. You need the Holy Ghost. You need to get to an altar. There is a revelation. We only need the token with us to make that word live again. That's what he sent. The token for. Amen. It's give us 
the state gives us a statement that we know is the truth. Let me, let me, let me read that real quick. Find my place. Yeah. All right, so in paradox, he, he moves on. Now, what is it? Christ coming to his body. Word, Christ in the word. We all know the anointing is Christ. That one, that comes on the word that makes the word live, see? So it's, it's not, uh, not putting an anointed word in us, all right? This, I, I accidentally put that inside the quote. That's actually my own note, that part right there. So, it's, so Brother Brennan says, the anointing is Christ that comes on the word that makes the word live. So it's not putting an anointing, an anointed word in us, but anointing a word seed already in us from birth. See? And so, 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 so that's, that's what he's showing here. Is that right? That is the anointing. Christ is the anointing, the spirit that comes upon the word that makes the word live. Okay, I think I, oh, I see why I did that. So Christ is the anointing. You with me? The spirit that comes upon the word that quickens the word to make, to make it live. Now the word is in your heart and you believe in divine healing, whatever more, see? And Christ, the anointing coming to his body. See the connection there? You, you find he's looking for you to see a connection like husband and wife to become one. Glory. Now the church has got to get to the ministry until the church and Christ become one. He can anoint you for every blessing that's in the Bible. All of it is yours. Everything is promised at this age is yours. When we leave anything out, see, then if anointing strikes that, it will anoint it. You with me? You believe it? Now today, I'm finishing up, he is still alive. He is still here. He is proving himself by his word. The word is God. You believe it? And then this word is allotted here for this day. That's got to be somebody. Somebody. It's not a doctrine. It's a body. It's got to be somebody come by that that word can become quickened and make that word live. Now, challenge number two. And we're going to stop right here. Anthony, get, get your team ready. You ready for this second challenge? You ready to accept it? You're going to believe every word? Promise? You mean it? I challenge you to believe that Jesus Christ is revealed in the form of Son of Man in human flesh through the bride's body. And then he offers you accept his call. How many are willing to accept that call? Let's stand. We're going to accept that call today.
Oh, my. I wish I had another hour, but I'm glad I don't. <laughs> I wish I did, but I'm glad I don't. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, friends. Are you believers today? This, this, I'm here to tell you that what we were covering today is just some, some, I want to get this foundation so ingrained in your heart because I've got some things to say to us as a church that if it were not for your confidence and I read the quotes and proved it to you and I've spent all day today proving out of the Bible and out of the message what I want to say to you in part five. Uh, You're talking about a challenge. You're talking about a privilege. You're talking about an opportunity. See, But I'm here to tell you, it is the summation of where we are today. That's my whole title, summing up. Summing up everything at the end time. Summing up the bride. Summing up the word. Summing up up civilization. We are... We are coming to the end of the earth's history before it gets rebooted. Don't lose sight of that. The world is not ending. Not according to this. The world keeps right on going. Even time keeps right on going. What's coming to an end is mankind's 6,000 year run in a fallen state. That's coming too. And God is going to recycle the earth after mankind destroys himself from it. And the bride will be in glory at a table thousands of miles long while the madness of man becomes full and complete and he destroys his own self against his better judgment. I don't want to be here. I don't want you to be there at that time. I want to be at that table thousands of miles long. I want to come back when, a, when the reboot occurs and we get to rebuild the whole thing. Oh my goodness, what a day that is going to be. Amen. What's going to sing you, Tony? Oh, yes. Right now. Right now. I need you, Lord. I need Right now, Lord. Right now. Oh, let's raise our hands and sing it like a prayer. I lift my hands yes. and bow my knees. Hallelujah. And worship at your throne. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Right now, Lord. Oh, we need it, friends. Sing it now. I need you, Lord. Oh, we need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. How many need him in this place today? I wonder if you'd just let him know. Say, Father, I need you. I need you today, every day. I need you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. I need you, Lord. Hold my hand, Jesus. Be my guide, Lord God. Help me make these decisions, Lord. Give me courage. I lift my hand. Give me strength. And bow my knees. May I be committed to the worship of your Oh, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need 
while they play that softly just for me bow your heads with me Father we thank you Lord for your word today thank you for these people thank you for your healing virtue Lord I know Lord the enemy tries to threaten me but I know you got this you got this this affliction you got me you got us all in your hands Lord we want to confess our trust in you today we want to renew our allegiance to you Lord we've looked into the word of God today we've seen some astonishing things we've seen that your plan is to, is to sum it all up at the end time by having a bride walking in so much in the way of your word that a prophet said so much so that it'll bring the dead for hundreds and hundreds of years it'll bring them right out of the grave and it'll change us in a moment in the twinkling of an eye we'll go to meet the Lord in the air we're in the process of that right now Lord the world is burning down around us it is falling apart it is again falling apart it can't recover itself Lord prophecies set in motion and can't be stopped we're not here to try to save the world we're try here to try to save all your people out of it and as many as will hear our voice can be saved as many as will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ can be saved but Lord we recognize today that there's a there's another section of that great book of life and it's a a, a book, Lord, that has the origin of your family. It's written in the stars, written in the pyramid, it's written in the Bible, it's all through it. There's a great city coming, Lord, where a bride who mirrors that city will live there. A city mirrored by a bride, a bride mirroring the Word, the Word mirroring you. We find out, Lord, by divine revelation, by a message of the hour, that it's all the Word. It's all the Word. It's all the Word in just different forms. Whether it was the one that was with God or was God or the same was in the beginning with God. Whether it's the Logos in our Bibles, the established Word. Whether it's the Rima acting out through flesh. As long as it's the Word of God and the Holy Spirit moving according to the Word, then that is the Word made alive, made flesh. It, it chokes the world, Lord. They can't grasp that, but we joyfully... We joyfully say, oh God, let me be a part of that. Lord, I raise my hands today. Father, if there's anyone in here today who knows that they need to, they need to assess, Lord, deep down and say, am I letting, am I letting the Word dwell in me richly? Am I allowing the anointing of God to come upon me? Or is my pursuit, is my pursuit the attached to the love of the world or the things of the world if it is Lord I pray you smash that take it out of our hearts give us a give us a reboot Lord let us let us have a renewing of our mind oh Lord, to not be Lord conformed to the world but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind I commit it to you today Lord I feel satisfied that I hit a spot where I could just hit a pause button. I thank you. Enough's been said. Now you can deal with your children. We commit this, this word preached, the word that will be preached if, if next week, if there is a next week. Lord, I commit it to you all. I commit all of it into your hands to bring it to pass. I've declared your word. Now you bring it to pass, Lord. I've not shunned to declare the whole gospel. 
Now, but it's still up to you. It's up to us to believe it, but it's still up to you to do it. So, Lord, we rest in you. And we know that's why the token came. We commit ourselves afresh today in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing it again, Brother Tony. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now. Right now. Hallelujah. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Let me have my ministry team. My ministry team, please. We lift our hands and bow our knees and worship at your throne. Father, in the name of Jesus, we need you. Lord, we're not creating we magic. This isn't somnambulant, Lord. That's not what this is about. This is about, Lord, we are taking this prayer cloth and we are not anointing it with oil. We don't anoint it. We pray over it. And you know the need, Lord. You know the need Sister Amy has. And I commit it to you right now that when this is taken in possession, that it shall perform the word according to your promise. It won't take any time. It'll perform it right away. And from that hour, Lord, the need will be met. We commit it to you now. We lift our hands. All right, go believe it. Bow our knees and worship at your throne. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right. Hands up. Hands up everywhere. Let's sing one more time before we go. Oh, let him hear you. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. I confess, Lord. 
Yeah.